Any of the words seem just a little different on that last one? Thank the Lord for creative people that he's given the gift to. Great words for songs. He said his birthday was tomorrow, but he's got a basketball game tomorrow. His birthday isn't tomorrow, is it? Okay, all right. My, my hearing isn't always the best, so I wanted to make sure I got that right. Acts chapter 3. We started last week with Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are entering the temple. The beggar cries out, begging, wants alms. Peter says, don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I will give you. Get up in the name of Jesus the Nazarene and walk. He was healed, and immediately his ankles and legs were strengthened. Told the illustration last week of Thomas Aquinas visiting the Pope back in 1200 and something. And the Pope showed him all of his riches and all the chests of money and gold and silver. And the Pope says, now I can't say with Peter that gold and silver have I none because look what I've got. He says, I can't say that we don't have any. Thomas Aquinas said, and you also can't say in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. The money was there, but the power was gone. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need to rely on, that we need to depend on to accomplish the things in our spiritual life that God wants to accomplish in and through us. Which one would you rather have? The riches or the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Kind of as we, as we continue on into chapter 3, just take a step back and do kind of a little summary things here, talking about Acts being a book of evangelism. Acts 1 and 2, we see primarily the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3 through 6, we're going to see Satan interjecting himself into the equation, trying to get his piece of the pie. We're going to see in the beginning of chapter 5, I believe it is, the the beginning of the persecution of the Christians. Chapter 2, just comparing chapter 2 and chapter 3, the similarities. Uh, We started chapter 2 with Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3 starts with the miracle of the healing of the lame man. In chapter 2, we see Christ exalted through the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. And and the word being able to be proclaimed to people in their language, their their native tongue. In chapter two, three, excuse me, we we see the exaltation of Christ as the, the healed man goes leaping and shouting and praising God into the temple. And it draws attention. See, on, on Pentecost, not everybody in Jerusalem came to Christ. There was three thousand added. 
But that wasn't all of Jerusalem. So there was still plenty of the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees that didn't know or accept Christ or what Christ had done for them. They, were, they, they, they weren't even dealing with the part of the, the equation that says, you are the guys. And Peter told them several times in chapter 2 when he started preaching. He said, you guys are the ones that crucified Christ. And for some of them it registered, but some still didn't get it. Weren't connecting the dots. So we're going to see in chapter 2 that the the crowd was amazed. If you look back at verses 6, 7, and 12, they were bewildered. Then they, they were amazed and they marveled. Verse 12, they continued to be amazed and in great perplexity. In chapter 3, the end of verse 11, says that they were full of amazement. These were, these were new things. These weren't common everyday things that were happening. The coming of the Holy Spirit in the way that it happened in Acts chapter 2 was a one-time thing. And to see this, this lame man walk, they had seen some miracles just recently in the past couple of years ago through the ministry of Jesus. But now that Jesus was gone... This is the first miracle they were seeing through the apostles. The Holy Spirit healed the lame man through the ministry of Peter, okay? We don't ever want to get that confused. Peter did not heal the lame man. The Holy Spirit healed the lame man through the ministry of Peter, okay? Verse 6, and the title of our message last week was, In the Name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk And today, the title of our sermon is in the name of the Holy and Righteous One. Because as in, happened in chapter 2, now happens in chapter 3, is Peter breaks out in a message, in a sermon for the people. And today we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. And while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico. Now, I don't know why they, that, that is in there, the, the, the term so-called. The portico or the, the colonnade of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own pile, power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one who, and and he pulls no punches again, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the author of life the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes to him, excuse me, through him, Christ, has given him, the crippled man, this perfect health in the presence of you all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Pray that in our lives we would not sin against you and we would not grieve your Holy Spirit. For when we sin, Father, we limit 
what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. Father, we don't want to do that. We want to have full access to the power of your Holy Spirit. That our lives would be changed for you in your power and in your strength. In our own strength, Father, we cannot conquer sin. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer sin in our lives that we might live righteously and purely before you and that the world around us would want what we have because it's you, not us. Thank you for your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 11, And while he, the the crippled man that was crippled no longer, was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. The, The porch of Solomon ran the entire length of the east side of the temple grounds. And as they were, they had come in the south gate and were coming in to go in the, the east entrance to the temple. That's where they encountered the beggar. He called out for help. And he got something he didn't know he could get. Healed. Healed in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the, and, and, uh, let's back up just real quick. Um, verse 7, seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And again, remember last week, it wasn't because he needed help getting up. It's because that's what Peter had seen Jesus do when he raised Darius's daughter, Jarius's daughter from the dead. He had reached down and pulled her hand and pulled her up. So it was a symbol of love. It wasn't him feeling sorry for the lame man that he needed help getting up. He didn't need help getting up at that point. The Holy Spirit had healed his ankles and his legs. It's going to happen someday, right, Terry? Right, Lois? We are looking forward to that day, huh? Amen. What a glorious day that will be. Because better yet, not just that you'll be healed and have a new body, but you'll be in the presence of the Lord when that happens. Whew! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. What a day that'll be. With a leap, he stood, verse 8, with a leap, he stood upright, began to walk, entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. How, how often do we leap and praise God? Okay, now I understand it was a different scenario. This man hadn't been able to leap his whole life. Surprised he even knew what it was, Right? But the Lord strengthened his ankles and legs to the point that he immediately was leaping for joy. Oh, that we would have that kind of joy in our spiritual lives, that we would want to leap when we praise God. Now, I'm not going to start jumping over chairs or anything stupid or silly like that, but maybe we need to leap once in a while. Maybe when we raise our hands, we need just even, you know, even that, that doesn't hurt, okay? That, That wasn't too exciting, but sometimes... We just need to leap when we praise the Lord so that others around us will see that there is something different about us and they may scratch their head. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. If it's Jesus in us doing that, they'll figure it out. They'll see it. They'll understand it. But when Peter saw this, verse 12, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? 
Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we, we had made him walk? Very, very clearly, in, in verse 6, Peter says, I don't possess silver or gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He didn't say, in the power of me, in the power of Peter, get up and walk. Right off the bat, and it just makes me think back to Nehemiah. Time after time, Nehemiah would say, God, this is being done with your power. This is being done in your name. It's not being done in my name or our name. It's being done in your name. So here we have it. Again, in verse 12, that that Peter is acknowledging that it was not their power that healed the lame man. It was the power of God, of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, that he had had, uh, glorified his servant Jesus. God glorified his servant Jesus, his son. Verse 14, the holy and righteous one. One of the, I, I know I read some of the Gaither songs last year, last week, but there's a, 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 one of my favorite songs is Jesus Messiah. Name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Once again, Peter in, in verses 13, 14, and 15 says, hey guys, you got to realize who you killed. They pushed, they, they didn't actually drive the nails into the cross. The Roman soldiers did that for them. So some would say, oh, the Gentiles are the ones that actually killed Jesus. But he's, he's Peter saying, hey guys, do you, do you realize that the one that you murdered and had put to death was your Messiah, your spiritual Savior. But Christ Christ would see it otherwise. See if I find my place in my notes here. Um, Okay, turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Let me back up a couple. Luke 23, 44. And it was now about the sixth hour, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun being obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. 
For this reason, the Father loves me. This is Christ speaking. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Before the foundations of the world were laid, God had a plan for your salvation and mine. Before the foundations of the world were laid, Christ knew that he would suffer and die on the cross for you and me. Nobody did to him what wasn't predetermined. Nobody did anything to him that he didn't want done. Yes, the Jews drove him to the Romans for the authority to murder him. And yes, the Roman soldiers were the ones that actually nailed his hands to the cross and his feet. But it was Jesus Christ who willingly dismissed his spirit so that you and I could have salvation in Jesus Christ. Peter's still not going to let him off the hook. He says, you delivered him up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he decided, Pilate had decided to release him. But you disown the holy and righteous one and ask for murder to be granted to you. Hey guys, that one that you wanted murdered on the cross, he's the one that just healed the lame man. He's the one that strengthened his ankles so that he could leap and run into the temple praising God. There's a story told at the towards the end of World War II in the, the city of Strasbourg, France. French. French? France. There we go. I always forget something. I always forget something. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just felt this in my pocket as a reminder. But in the city of Strasbourg, France, at the end of World War II, they were beginning to clean up. And a church had been bombed mercilessly and was just about obliterated. I mean, there wasn't much left to it. But as they're cleaning up the rubble, they find the statue of Jesus. It's unbroken, uncracked, with the exception is that both of the hands are missing from the statue. Otherwise, spotless, flawless. So a sculptor in the town volunteered to re-sculpt a, a statue of Christ with the hands. And the elders of the congregation met and discussed it. And they said, no, we actually want to keep the statue without the hands. 
Because we know that Jesus Christ is the one that can touch hearts and spiritually revive people and give them life. He said, but it will be a reminder to us that we are to be his hands. We are the ones that need to go and give the gospel. And sometimes that includes giving food and giving clothing to the poor and the needy. We will keep that statue just as a reminder that we are to be his hands, to be servants of his, to be servants in his ministry, to accomplish his will. We want him to use us. So that will be a reminder. As we move on to verse 16, on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through Christ has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter's response and and sermon in chapter 2 and chapter 3 are very similar. They're Christ-centered. Because, and I'm sure this this will be a new phrase, so you might want to write this down because I may repeat it a few times in the future. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about Jesus Christ and what he can do through his Holy Spirit in and through us. I, I thought about having Stephen pop up at this time that video. We, not, the church is not a building. We are the church. You're not in church. You're in a building. You are the church. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you are the church. And we have a responsibility of Jesus living in our hearts to share that with our neighbors. In closing, I'll ask you to look at uh, real quick at uh, chapter 4, verse 14. There in Acts 4.14. Again, these are some of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, that, that haven't figured it out yet. They just don't get it. But seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Do you know why they had nothing to say in reply? Because if they acknowledged that that man was healed in the name of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, then they would have to acknowledge that Christ was alive. They would have to realize and acknowledge that the name of Christ had power. They would have to realize that the name of Jesus Christ accomplished the healing in this man. And of course, they were all about themselves. So they didn't, they, they, they couldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't buy into it. You wonder if the Holy Spirit wasn't pricking some of their conscience, making some of them uncomfortable. Because they refused to acknowledge that the miracle was done 
in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ is indeed the living Son of God, and His name does indeed have power. What are you doing with that in your life? Are you yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit? Are you coming under His authority and leaving Him on the throne? This this is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment things, folks. This isn't a every Sunday morning thing. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, He indwells you. He is with you every moment of every day. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't just come and visit you and hold your hand on Sunday morning when you come to church. He does not leave you. He is always with you. If you were in a relationship with an individual, if you're a a boy, a girl, and if you're a girl, a boy, and everything was one-sided, and you never gave into that relationship, how strong would that be? Again, we talk about eating, eating our spiritual food. And if you only ate once a week, trust me, you would be weak throughout each day of the week. If we expect to be able to stand firm, we need to come to the table and eat daily. And not just crumbs. You need to come up to the Word of God and get a full meal so that we can stand firm when those guys come through the doors with guns. Or when you're, you're told that you're not going to be able to buy food or do business or pay bills or have a bank account unless you have the mark of the beast. You willing to die for that? He was willing to die for you. Father, thank you for who you are and thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for loving us so much and for teaching us how to love. But Father, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that each one of us would spend time with you daily, that we wouldn't be one of those 11 percenters, or that we would be, that we would all be of those 11 percent that read your word daily, that we wouldn't be a part of the other 89 percent that don't read your word daily. Help in our spiritual lives, Father, to not be some of those Christians that only pray two to three minutes a week because that's not much of a relationship that we only put two to three minutes a week into. Father, draw us to you. 
Help us to live in the excitement and the joy of living in Jesus, knowing you, and living a rich and rewarding life, a joyous life, a life that is full of love, full of joy, because you are in our lives, not because we're great or good people, Father, because we know that's not right. That's not true. So convict us, convict us in our hearts, Father, that we need to be dedicated to you. We need to love you and to show it by spending time with you and then by reflecting Christ to those around us. Thank you for this day, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We have an opportunity.